Chapter 18, Birthday Party Akko was trying her best. It was getting really late, but she had to finish her level design prototypes before the scrum meeting tomorrow with her peers. Even if she didn't have enough time to get the right textures for the environment, she was fine with slapping on placeholder textures that made absolutely no sense in the setting just so she had something that she could run with. Her final semester at Luna Nova Tech was a tough one. Ignoring her electives, of course, she had chosen whatever courses she could that had no exams, Akko was taking two senior video game development courses. One of them focused on technical skills, such as working with advanced shader and texture rendering technologies, design paradigms and techniques to improve optimization, and more niche topics, such as procedural generation. It was actually kind of interesting. Akko never noticed that a lot of the trees in her favorite video games were really just fractals, which were apparently trippy objects that if you zoomed in, looked like itself. Trying to think about that made her head feel all hazy and tired, but apparently they were nothing but mathematical formulas. Akko would have been tempted to admit that math was actually interesting, but she still needed at least another five years to get over how traumatic her first-year linear algebra exam had been. The other game's development course she took was a rather abstract one. It was all about tackling the different aspects of game design, such as level design, scripting, storytelling, and so forth. And ethics. Apparently that was really important. Akko had learnt a strange concept called ludonorative dissonance, which was apparent when the gameplay contradicted the themes told by the narrative. That had been a rather abstract lecture, in which Akko had to think of gameplay not in terms of fun, but as an instrument of storytelling, who knew? But by the end of the lecture, Akko learnt a new term to describe potato smasher. She could clearly see that both courses were going to be useful to her future career as a game developer, but their contents were difficult, and keeping up with the assessments was a lot of work. For the former, she had to basically submit small games every two weeks, while for the latter, she had a major design and implementation project with a small group. Only this time, Diana wouldn't be there. And apparently, they had to do it using agile methodology too, which basically meant that Akko always felt like something was due every week for the project. It was tough, but Akko felt like she was so close. She could see the finish line. Just one more semester, Akko would say to her friends and to herself, and I'll be a highly qualified and skilled game developer. She was determined to put all her effort into it. But that wasn't the only domain in her life where she was trying her hardest. Because Akko wasn't the only one who was busy. If the busyness of a person could be quantified, then for every unit of busyness that Akko had in her daily life, it would probably be appropriate to multiply it by a factor of 10 for Diana. It was almost frightening just how much workload Diana was taking on. It made Akko feel like she was playing the university game in easy mode. Or perhaps more accurately, she was playing the tutorial level. Not only did Diana need to ace her master's courses that had very high workloads, she also had to write a thesis that will likely exceed 100 pages and reach significant progress in her research so that she could have at least another couple of publications in top journals or conferences. Another two, 
because Diana had already published very early in the year from her fruitful research with Croy during her undergrad. Akko remembered celebrating that with her. This place is wonderful, Akko, Diana said as she looked appreciatively around the dining area in her light blue dress. It wasn't an extravagant dress by any metric, but it was, as with all things Diana, elegant and tasteful. And Akko loved how surreally beautiful her girlfriend looked that night. How did you find it? The restaurant was a rather fancy Japanese restaurant. The walls were lined with traditional calligraphy and lights that emitted a yellowish hue that produced a rather relaxing and intimate atmosphere. The wallpaper had dark colors that would have made one feel like it was night even if one could see sunlight through the windows. Even appearances of wood in the room looked like expensive pieces of art. The girls sat on a comfortable U-shaped couch. The dark wooden table in front of them was pristine and even a little reflective. What topped it off was the view in front of them, a beautiful, Japanese garden that was lit by well-placed garden lights on the other side of the large windows. It looked magical. Well, Akko scratched the back of her neck. She felt the collar of her blouse, an unfamiliar sensation. She had enough common sense to know that you simply didn't dine at a restaurant like this with just a shirt and ripped jeans. So she wore the most formal attire she had, which was black trousers and a light blue blouse that had scarcely worn, cheap purchases that her parents made her take with her to the UK in case she needed to look nice for presentations or job interviews. She never cared for what she wore to her class presentations, and she had never had any job interviews, anyway. I found this place when I first came here and felt a bit homesick. I googled Japanese restaurant Blytonbury and this popped up. I did a 180 right after I walked inside and saw how fancy it was. Diana chuckled. She was probably thinking that it was a very Akko story. I love it. But you haven't even tasted the food yet. I'm sure I'll love it too, Diana said with a smile as she looked out into the garden. I sincerely hope you're not going to show your chivalry side and pay for my dinner. Um. Akko looked as if she were a spy whose cover just got blown. I know it's expensive, but it's not too bad. The food altogether was only 80 pounds. It was clear by the hesitation in Akko's voice that the occurrence of the word, only, in her sentence really didn't belong there. The restaurant only dealt in sets. It was Akko's first formal dining experience. Diana gave Akko a look that simultaneously communicated her appreciation for the gesture, as well as her disapproval at the arrangement. It was impressive. I really appreciate it, but I'm more than happy to cover our costs. Akko was having none of it. But Diana, you always do. Plus, I really wanted to do something special for you. You did something great. You published that paper about, uh, you know, the paper you've been working on for the last six months. You're a big researcher now. And I know it was something that you were really set on. I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't go out of the way to celebrate something that you care about. Diana looked slightly taken aback. There was a light dusting of pink on her cheeks. W well. It wasn't anything too impressive. 
just a lot of work. Akko gave her a, really, look that qualified as a reminder about the fact that there were no other students across any faculties that they knew of who managed to get their work into a top publishing journal during their undergrad. Anyway, did you factor in the cost of drinks? The widening of Akko's eyes, as she suddenly felt a very real and tangible financial fragility, told Diana all she needed to know. She raised an eyebrow in amusement and said, how about we reach a compromise? You've already paid for the set meals beforehand, I believe. Then, at least allow me to cover the cost of drinks. After a moment of Akko pouting, Diana heard a quiet, fine, and giggled at Akko's antics. Shortly after, they ordered their drinks and the first of their meals arrived. The time that they had spent together that night felt magical, like a stolen moment in time in their increasingly busier lives. The atmosphere of the restaurant made it feel surreal, even. Akko was happy that she got to celebrate Diana's accomplishment with such intimacy. Diana's victories were hers, and her own successes were Diana's. They had been busy back then, but they were busier now. Since the second half of the previous semester, Diana seemed to be more occupied with her workload than Akko had ever seen her. She had worked hard even throughout her mid-year break. Of course, Akko had hung out with Diana during the break. After all, she had made the vow to herself to make sure that Diana doesn't work herself to her demise. She had seen Diana every other day, due to a combination of Diana working copious amounts of time every day on her research and thesis, and Akko going out with her own friends. Diana had very rarely tagged along with Akko's friends, because she was just too busy to afford the time, and what little time, she had she reserved for Akko. But more and more, Akko started to feel that the time she spent with Diana was time that she took Diana away from her work. That statement could be viewed in a good way, but from the perspective of the busy bee that Diana was, perhaps it wasn't so good. Akko didn't want to feel that way, so she did her best to push the feeling to the back of her mind whenever she spent time with her girlfriend. Only one semester left, no, a few months left, Akko told herself as she deleted an entire pathway in the level that she had spent the previous 20 minutes on after coming to the conclusion that it seemed to only confuse the player and lead them astray. And then we'd have all the time in the world to ourselves. She's going to be receiving hell of a lot of affection from me to make up for it all. Akko almost felt like she wasn't just working the night away for herself, but somehow, for Diana too. Anne, done. Akko jumped off of the couch with a thump after she stuck the last of the balloons near the large banner on the wall of their flat that said, Happy birthday, Lotta. Cool, but don't break the floor, Susie said from the couch. She wasn't enthused by the thought of the decorations turning into mess and garbage to be cleaned up at the end of the night. The only thing that's gonna be breaking the floor is me tonight, when we bust out the music and alcohol, Amanda said, as she brought out the food that Jasminka baked from Akko's kitchen. The sight and smell of those wings nearly had Akko salivating. And one mushroom burger for Seuss, Jasminka said from the kitchen, as she handed the plate with the burger to Amanda. Susie had a grotesquely pleased look on her face. Like that of a cartoon villain when they see their plan for world domination come to fruition. Thanks Jazz.
You can have my special vodka brew anytime. Jasminka gave a brief thumbs up before she got back to work. Does anyone know how long we have left before Lotta comes back? Akko asked as she plopped unceremoniously onto the couch next to Susie, much to the latter girl's chagrin. Lotta knew that they were celebrating Lotta's birthday together, but she had no idea that they would set up their flat for this special occasion while she had gone to get the cake. Having connected her switch to the TV, Constanze held up four fingers and a thumb to Akko. Five minutes. The mechatronics engineer was particularly good at mental calculations, so when she indicated five minutes, Akko knew that Lotta would arrive in exactly five minutes. No more, no less. There was a knock on the door. Akko's heart jumped. It wasn't mathematically possible that Lotta was on the other side of that door, as per Constanze's infallible mathematical model. Could it be that it was? Amanda opened the door to reveal Hannah, who carried a platter of sushi, and Barbara, who held a wrapped box. I hope we're not too late. Hannah asked, at Amanda in particular, it seemed. Akko stretched her neck to try and see if Diana was behind them. She wasn't. Unfortunately, her girlfriend's absence was expected. Not at all, Amanda replied. Lotta's not here yet. Come on in. Hannah smiled as she and Barbara walked past Amanda and took off their shoes. Akko checked the messages on her phone. 11.13 Diana. I'm really sorry Akko, but I don't think I can make it today. I have to finish drafting our manuscript this weekend for submission within the month. It's a lot of work and I'm very regretful that I can't make it to Lotta's birthday. 11.32 Akko, that's alright. I've told Lotta and she understands. 11.33 Akko, she said thank you for the well wishes and best of luck in your writing. 11.35 Diana, tell her thanks for me. Once again, I'm really sorry I can't be there, Akko. 11.36 Akko, now don't worry about it. It's all good, love. 11.36 Akko, I'll see you next week. 11.38 Diana, hopefully, but I'll really have to see. Admittedly, things are really busy and stressful at the moment. But I'll let you know when I'll be free next. Hope you have a lovely night, Akko. No new messages. It was a little past five. I know that Diana is busy and all, but I just wish. Wow. The sushi looks delicious, Hannah. Akko remarked cheerily. Hannah smiled in satisfaction. It was quite a validation to have her tastes in sushi complimented by Akko. Thanks. That sushi place near where we live is just so good. Diana introduced us to it a while back. A shame that she couldn't make it, though. Akko waved her hand dismissively. That's all right. Diana's just really busy with her research and stuff. I'm actually happy that she's focusing on her getting her work done, Akko said with a smile. I'd feel terrible if she came, but ended up behind with her work or something. You're really understanding, Akko, Barbara said. Amanda walked behind the couch and wrapped her arms around Akko's neck and shoulders with excessive force. 
Isn't she such a sweetie? She asked rhetorically as Akko flailed her arms wildly, making Susie flinch away with a grunt. Amanda, stop violating Akko, Hannah said jokingly. Amanda let her friend go, as she received a playful punch on the shoulder from Akko. You're right, she said. The physicality starts after the drinks. That earned an eye roll from Hannah. The sound of a key entering the keyhole of their front door rang across the room. Everyone became quiet. The door had opened by about a few centimeters when... Happy birthday Lotta! The collective thundering noise from the girls in the flat had clearly frightened the poor birthday girl, as the door slammed shut with the jerk of her muscles. Lotta! Are you alright? Barbara called out in concern. The door slowly opened once again, revealing a shaken Lotta. You, you guys scared me. Lotta looked visibly disturbed. I nearly dropped the cake. She lifted the paper bag by its straps in her left hand. Ah shit. I didn't think of that. Well that was a close one, right guys? Amanda laughed awkwardly. The rest of the girls in the flat looked at her in silent accusation. Although truthfully, Akko had also been an enthusiastic proponent of the idea. She sunk into the couch and thanked Amanda for shouldering the spotlight. Lotta sighed, expelling the tension from her body as her shoulders dropped, before smiling sweetly. I appreciate it anyway. You guys definitely surprised me, Lotta chuckled as she entered the flat and closed the door behind her. The moment Lotta had put the sizable bag she had been carrying onto the already packed dining table, the room broke out into noise once again. Happy birthday to you. Lotta looked as if she were a deer caught in headlights once again. Her friends grinned as they sang without restraint. Happy birthday to you. Amanda amplified her voice by singing into the shape of a cup she made with her hands. Lotta smiled in embarrassment as her cheeks became very pink very quickly. Happy birthday to Lotta. She felt a renewed appreciation for Susie, who was the only friend in the room who didn't even bother trying to look like she was singing along. Even Constance sang, with a vocoder app on her phone, of course. Happy birthday to you. A visible relief washed over Lotta's face, but froze midway when she heard. Hip hip, hooray. Hip hip, hooray. Hip hip, hooray. Lotta's face was positively painted deep red when it ended. She prayed that her neighbors weren't going to file noise complaints. Tea thanks guys, she squeaked out, barely able to be heard over the round of applause from her friends and Amanda Wolf whistling. Time to eat. Jasminka said as she began handing out plastic plates and forks. Unsurprisingly enough, Amanda missed her plate and went straight for the kitchen where the drink Saturday. She opened the bottle of Fireball whiskey and poured it into a glass, followed by Coke. Akko, for her part, was very hungry. After thanking Jasminka for her plate, she went straight for the juicy wings that her friend had whipped up, stacking three of them onto her inadequately sturdy plate. Oh God, Akko moaned. With a mouthful of half-chewed food. This tastes so good. Now normally I'd make a dirty joke, 
Amanda began as she looked at Akko in disgust, but that was downright nasty. She took a large gulp of her drink, as if washing down whatever Akko's lack of table manner invoked in her taste buds. The girls casually ate and chatted amongst each other. Throughout, they were very careful with making sure that no food was dropped onto the ground. God help any poor soul who accidentally wastes Jasminka's heavenly food in front of her. Akko was curious about Amanda's drink and asked her about it. I'd let you sip from mine, but I'm not drunk enough to forget about how gross you were earlier, Amanda said in a surprisingly nonchalant and non-judgmental tone. She was clearly stating a simple fact. I'll make you one instead. Akko watched curiously as Amanda poured the contents into another plastic cup, but it wasn't really all that exciting watching a straightforward mix between alcohol and coke. When Akko sipped the drink that Amanda handed her, she could see the sweet cinnamon kick in her sinuses. Huh. So that's why it's called Fireball. Amanda's only response was a raise of a single eyebrow. When everybody had more or less finished eating, of course, Jasminka was perfectly happy to eat at a constant rate across the entire night. They gathered around to shower Lotta with presents. Constanz gave her an app she had coded up that allowed Lotta to store her favorite quotes and passages on the go as she read Nightfall and its fanfiction on her phone. Jasminka gave Lotta a bottle of Russian vodka, although truth be told, it was more than likely going to be consumed by Susie than the intended recipient, as Lotta wasn't too big of a fanatic for hard liquor. Speaking of Susie, she gave Lotta a potful of Venus flytraps. Lotta looked slightly bothered, Amanda and Akko, however, were absolutely fascinated, but thanked her friend anyway. I, uh, don't have anything tangible, Amanda admitted in a slight sheepish tone. Don't worry about it, Amanda. You didn't need to get me anything, Lotta said with a warm smile that could melt the ice caps in Antarctica in an instant. Now I've got a little something for YA, Amanda said with the jarring confidence of a used car salesman, as she put an arm around Lotta's shoulder. I'm paying for your airfare whenever you decide to visit me in New York. Lotta gasped. But Amanda, that's expensive. That's way too much. Amanda waved her hand, the one that wasn't around Lotta, dismissively. Not really. My family's kinda wealthy. Plus, my dad owns a ton of stocks of some airline, so we get crazy vouchers every now and then. Oh wow. All right then. Thanks, Amanda, Lotta said as Amanda retracted her arm. You totally forgot to get her something in time, didn't you? Susie asked rhetorically. Amanda shrugged. Didn't Einstein say that if you miss the moon, you'll hit the stars or something? No, Susie replied. Frankly, Amanda didn't really give a shit about who said it. Amanda. What about the rest of us? Hannah asked sweetly, not unlike that of a sly fox. Amanda smirked confidently. Well? Didn't know you wanted to see me that badly, Hannah. In your dreams, Hannah quipped back. Barbara gave Lotta a wrapped box. She unwrapped it to reveal a smart watch. Diana, Hannah and I all chipped in for it. I hope you like it, 
Barbara said excitedly, as she watched Lotta hold the unopened package like one might hold a small child. Lotta thanked them profusely for it. At last, it was Akko's turn. She handed Lotta a switch controller and turned on the TV screen. Lotta saves the world. Lotta turned to look at Akko with her jaw hanging. You made me again. Akko nodded vigorously, like a child presenting their drawing to their parents. That's amazing, Akko. Can I play it? Lotta asked, earning more vigorous nodding from Akko in return. The room became quiet when Lotta pressed the start button. It's the year 2069. An evil megacorporation has total control over the food industries of the world. People are forced to eat nothing but potatoes. But fear not, for there rises a sweet princess who will become the savior of us all. Rise up, Lotta. When the opening crawl ended, a pixelated Lotta appeared on screen in a pixelated bakery. Despite not being much of a gamer herself, Lotta intuitively understood the gameplay loop. At each level, Lotta was tasked with making foods from ingredients in her bakery to satisfy customers. The challenge stemmed from the time constraint, as well as complicated dishes and the environmental mechanics that varied from level to level. For example, in one particular level that Lotta played in front of the gang, the evil megacorporation sent agents to sabotage her bakery by placing banana peels all over the floor. But since the fictional Lotta was determined to bring happiness to the world, she refused to let such an inconvenience stop her from showing people the joys of authentic food that was made with love. Thus, it was imperative for Lotta to avoid stepping on banana peels that might make her skid across her kitchen or fall over in order to fulfill as many orders as possible. In each level, there was always a special customer that needed to have their order fulfilled as soon as possible, because they were particularly affected by the all-potato diet that was unjustly forced upon them. There would usually be one of Lotta's real-life friends, or characters from Nightfall, which Akko became acquainted with from having the film adaptation playing on their TV at least a few times every month. How did you get the game to run on the Switch? Barbara asked. Con's Switch is jailbroken, so it can run indie games like this one, Akko explained. After Lotta played through a few levels with an audience, she beamed at Akko. This is so cool. I can't imagine the time you've put into making this game for me, she said. I really appreciate this, Akko. I can't wait to play more later. Akko beamed at Lotta's words. She was over the moon that Lotta liked the game she made for her. She knew that Lotta didn't really play video games, but she wanted to truly do something special and unique for her friend. Lotta was really one of a kind, with a heart so pure that it inspired hope for humanity in anyone who knew her, and Akko had felt like she needed to go the extra mile for her friend. And what a mile it was. Making this game, during the last month, had been quite a challenge in time management, as she had things to turn in for her courses almost every week. She had to stay up late some nights to work on her game for Lotta. At times, it seemed like Akko wasn't going to complete it in time for her birthday, but by risking not handing in one of her assignments on time, she just managed to finish the game on time. It was a calculated risk, but she knew her priorities, assignments were temporary, but friends were forever.
The girls went back to chatting over snacks and refreshments. Only this time, there was music. Hannah had linked up her Spotify to the TV with the help of Constanz. Whatever playlist that was on seemed to be playing the most popular pop songs of the last few years. Akko saw Lotta looking fondly over the lively conversations and banters that took place between their friends and approached her. Are you having a good time, Lotta? Akko asked. Lotta smiled at Akko. I am. Honestly, I'm a bit overwhelmed that you guys did this for me, she said, looking slightly sheepish. It's so nice. Well, you're nice. Lotta chuckled. Thanks, Akko, she said as she turned her gaze back to their friends. Akko followed her gaze. It's so lovely to see our friends here in one room, having fun. I wonder what it's going to be like after we graduate, Lotta spoke with a soft, nostalgic voice. We're still all going to be friends. I'll make sure of that, Akko reassured. I know you will, Lotta said. But who knows where life will take us. Some of us might go overseas for work. Others might stay in the UK, but in different parts. I'm committing this moment to memory, Akko. Because a part of me wishes that we could stay like this forever. The tone in Lotta's voice was bittersweet. Nostalgic, but not for the past. For the present, from the future. Akko felt strangely affected. She could feel something in her, but she didn't yet know what it was. Akko turned her gaze back to her friend. Lotta, do you know what you're going to do next year? Well, I've applied for several sound design roles. Some of them are based overseas, others are in the UK. But I haven't heard back from any yet. Lotta met Akko's eyes as she gently shook her head with a smile. I really don't know yet. I could come back and do a master's if I can't find any jobs, but I doubt that I'm the sort of person that can do rigorous research and write a technical thesis, which is something that I really admire in Diana. A pause, before Lotta chuckled to herself. The only kind of writing I'm good at is fan fiction. You could be a writer. Like, for novels. Akko suggested. Maybe one day. But I don't think my motivations for writing fanfiction would really carry over to writing an original work, Lotta said. There was no trace of regret in her words. What about yourself, Akko? Where do you see yourself next year? Akko thought for a couple of moments before she shook her head. I don't really know either. I guess I'll do my best to make my own games and see where that takes me. In the meantime, I guess I could find a bit of work. Maybe. Not sure what kind, but I think I want to stay in the UK. For Diana. Akko nodded. Yeah. But also, I like it here. The culture is more tolerant than from where I come from. I feel less pressure and expectation to conform, I guess. Guess I'll be seeing you around then. Susie said as she walked out of the kitchen with a plastic cup of what looks like a murky swamp. I'm doing a master's with Professor Lukic next year. Maybe even a PhD if it goes well and I get another scholarship. Akko's eyes widened. Wait, you got a scholarship for your master's? Susie rolled her eyes. 
Akko. If you make this a big deal, I'll force feed you what's in my cup. She lifted her plastic cup for emphasis. Akko lowered her voice, now very aware that Susie was holding something of devastating power. Still, congrats. Susie shrugged and said, it's whatever, before taking a large enough sip out of her cup, making Akko cringe. Cons and Jas are also staying for postgrad. No idea what Amanda is going to do, but I don't think she knows either. Huh? What don't I know? Amanda shouted from across the room from where she was chatting among the other girls. What do you know? Susie bantered. Before Amanda could throw a jab of her own, Lotta spoke up. We were just talking about what we're doing next year. Do you know what you'll be up to after graduation? Amanda shrugged. Don't know. Don't care. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. She took a large swig from her beer can. That rhymed. Everyone ignored Akko. You really don't think about it. Hannah asked, with some hint of earnestness in her voice. I mean I do from time to time, but they're just ideas, not plans. From how I see it, no point planning something like that when almost everything comes down to luck and decisions made on the spot, why I feel. Hannah hummed in response. One of neutrality at best, and polite doubt at worst. I've already landed a graduate offer in one of the production companies here, so I'll at least be susing that out for a year. Amanda whistled. Yo let me know if there are any openings. Applications closed like half a year ago, Hannah said. What about you, Barbara? Lotta asked. I'm pretty set on academia, Barbara said. My master's finishes this year, so I'll be starting a PhD in literature next year. It's a shame that you won't be here to see me become the president of Nightfall Society. Amanda raised the volume of the music. Okay enough of this serious adult talk. Let's fucking dance, she shouted, not because the TV was too loud, but simply because she was Amanda. Everyone except Susie got up to move to the poppy beat. Susie just sipped her drink and watched with mild amusement. Most of the girls moved rather awkwardly, but not Amanda and Hannah. They were seasoned clubbers. They moved with confidence near each other. And it was Hannah's playlist, after all. There were smiles and laughs. But standing here, Akko felt a tinge of discontentment, as she was reminded of the time when Diana danced for her in the Clayum Soleil. The scene in front of her, while lively and populated by friends, did not have Diana in it. It felt wrong. Akko wanted to share experiences like these with Diana. To make special memories for the both of them. To build an expansive library of such experiences, like a scrapbook, in her head of her life with Diana. But that wasn't what was happening. And Akko wasn't sure how many such potential memories were lost, never to realize, since this year had really started. And after the previous conversation, Akko wasn't sure how many such experiences she would have with Diana in the future. Chapter 19, Attrition Diana felt sick as she turned the page of the old, thick monograph that was spread out on her desk. 
she could barely make out the tiny words on the thin pages. The near absence of the spacing between the words was conducive to headache for any student that spent more than half an hour trying to work through the paragraphs that seemed to go on for far too long. Diana had spent more than two hours trying, and failing, to absorb any useful information from the graduate text without feeling too nauseous. But Diana pushed on. Because feeling physically ill was surely better than feeling emotionally ill, right? Diana knew that she was affecting Akko with distance. She could see it in those crimson eyes every time she rejected Akko's plea of staying longer with her whenever they were together. She could feel it between the words on her phone every time she turned down Akko's propositions of seeing her. She could taste it on Akko's lips during their goodbye kisses. Always with the same excuse. Of having work to do. But she couldn't help it. Because it was inevitable that she was going to hurt Akko, and this was simply the way to do it with the least amount of pain possible for both of them. Diana hadn't eaten dinner that day. She wasn't in the mood for food. After cancelling yet another outing with Akko, the guilt that had settled in her stomach dissolved any appetite that she might have had from spending the copious amount of hours writing her thesis earlier that day. The guilt was a black tar that poisoned Diana's soul, making it impossible for her to take pleasure in anything. Everything she did felt hollow, a mere reminder of the fact that she consciously chose the dull and lifeless task of sifting through the 500 pages of academic babble for the sliver of a possibility that she might find something relevant to her research, rather than spending her night with the girl who she had so readily claimed to love, who was waiting for her with dimming hope. Hope that if Diana could, would end painlessly with the remorse of a doctor who wondered what she could have done differently. Diana picked up her phone and unlocked it with a swift action. As her thumb hovered over the messaging app, she hesitated. She wasn't sure what she was trying to accomplish. It was mostly just muscle memory, whenever she thought of Akko, she would feel the urge to check if she received any new messages from her. But she had no reason to do that now. Just another habit that no longer served any purpose. Redundant and awaiting the soft and gradual erasure of time. She could feel her hand shake with the phone. A visual representation of her resolve, she noted wryly. She placed the phone down onto her desk again and wiped her clammy hands on her black sweatpants. Her fingers reached to turn another page, one that looked identical to the previous, just another opaque wall of cramped black ink culling the paper. It was a mistake. Diana wished she had never loved Otsuko Kagari. The most amazing girl that Diana had ever met. Someone who wasn't afraid to be herself. Who gave her love and affection so freely. Akko changed Diana and, for the brief amount of time that they had been together, showed her a glimpse of happiness and the better person that Diana could become. Akko was too perfect. And because of that, Diana should have ran from her the moment she had set eyes on her. Because she was destined to hurt Akko. If she had stopped and thought beyond the beautiful and intoxicating feelings she had for the brunette, then Diana would have realized that she had always been on trajectory to wound Akko. Diana's life was diametrically opposite to Akko's. They couldn't have been further apart. Akko was someone who took life in one day at a time. 
She had big and noble dreams, but they were dreams that were formless and distant. Diana knew that Akko didn't have a precise plan of how she was going to make it as an indie game developer. Diana didn't see this as a bad thing at all, in fact, it was one of the qualities that she admired about Akko. How the brunette was brave enough to take on whatever the world threw at her, and to go where the unpredictable tides of life take her. But Diana wasn't like that. Her path in life had been set since the moment she was first brought to life and into her mother's loving arms. Restoring and taking charge of her family's legacy wasn't a birthright. It was an obligation. Responsibility for the future of the Cavendish family had been thrust upon her even before her very existence had been confirmed in this world. Diana could say that she hated it, and it was times like this that she felt that she indeed did. But that would be childish. She had accepted this reality even when she had been a child, so what right did she have to experience a change of heart when she had come so far? The mistake she made was in ignoring this eventuality that she had known for all her life, in reveling in the delusion that it was nothing but a minor detail in the distance, as she fell deeper into another reality with Akko. Diana brought the teacup to her lips and took a sip. This tastes pitiful, she thought as she cringed. The tea had been made before she had opened the text in front of her, yet it was barely touched. The cold, depressing tea did nothing to wash the guilt and regret from her mouth. If anything, it left her with a bitter taste in her mouth and a dry throat on top of it all. Fulfilling her leadership position in her family's firm meant that Diana needed all the preparation she could get. She would need to be as equipped as she possibly could be to navigate the biomedical technology firm through the business and technological landscape in order to accomplish her dream. And this meant becoming someone who worked in the forefront of developments in the industry with the best of the best. That is, Diana was set on doing research with the best of the best. In one of the top universities in the US. Which one, she wasn't too sure. But she had drafted applications for a few of them so far, and it wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination to assume that she would be accepted by at least one of them. She was going to leave the UK. She was going to leave Akko. A part of Diana wanted to take Akko with her. An understatement, she thought, because she knew that every fibre of her soul wanted Akko to be with her on the journey. But it wouldn't be fair. In the past, when Diana had tried to subtly bring up the topic of the future in their conversations, Akko would usually shrug and give a vague answer. Because making big life decisions like that wasn't how Akko lived life. The most the brunette had ever given was a casual remark about how she liked the UK, and the fact that most of her friends would be here. If Diana offered Akko to follow her to the US, Akko would probably take it. And that thought terrified Diana. The amount of power she had over Akko seemed wrong. There were so many things that could go wrong. What if after moving with Diana, Akko hated living in the US? What if she felt isolated from having been taken away from all of her friends? What if she felt too financially reliant and too much of a burden on Diana? Akko had a rather strong sense of honor, as evident by the way that Akko had apologized to her in Leon Park so long ago. What if Diana would be so busy that she wouldn't be able to give enough of her time to Akko, 
leaving Akko essentially trapped in a foreign land, where she could barely even see Diana every day. That seemed rather realistic, given how rough this year had been. There were so many risks that Diana simply couldn't see how things could end well. And the thought always threatened to undo her. But she had to do her best to confront the truth that she was going to hurt Akko. And given this reality, she did the best thing she could, which was to do what she thought would hurt Akko the least. Distance hurts. But better to let it wither now than to watch it grow into something even more beautiful, only for its wilting even more tragic. Or perhaps that was just what Diana told herself. Maybe it was nothing more than cowardice. Rather than having the courage and resolve to face Akko and be more explicit and upfront, she settled for hiding behind excuses and silences. Diana owed it to her to be honest with her thoughts and feelings. She knew that. But it was just so hard. Just imagining the devastated look on Akko's face was enough to cause a tsunami of guilt within her. Despite having been praised for her composure all her life, Diana was certain that facing Akko in that scenario would break her. Completely and utterly destroy what little resolve she had. Diana absent-mindedly turned the page once again. Her nausea had only worsened. She pinched the bridge of her nose in a futile attempt to ease the discomfort, before rubbing her uncomfortable eyes. When she opened them again, the world looked hazy. Everything looked out of focus. The tiny words on the page blurred together into a grey on the creamy paper. She was met with pure white when she raised her gaze in front of her. It was a blissful white. It was as if Diana's world was an empty blank where there were no worries, no sources of anxiety, no complicated feelings. For a moment, there was nothing. It was enough, a temporary reprieve from the world that demanded so much from Diana. A world that pulled Diana in two directions, threatening to tear her apart. In the white void, there was nothing of that sort. There was only peace, peace that Diana's turbulent mind could rarely find these days. But as the blur in Diana's vision faded and details began to return slowly, a familiar shape took form. A string hung from a small, unobstructive hook on the wall. At the bottom of the string was a white spiral that was suspended by it. A bright and smooth seashell. Beautiful by its very nature. Just like the girl who had given it to Diana. A sharp pang struck Diana's chest as her breath suddenly became uneven. She reached for her chest with her right hand, hoping that it would provide the support she needed. She bit the insides of her cheek to keep from falling apart. Because if even a little of her composure slipped, it would shatter completely. Diana squeezed her eyes shut and counted. As she counted, she did her best to command her own body to stop shaking and take steady breaths. By the time Diana felt well enough to stop counting, she reached a number in the forties. She wasn't sure exactly how much time had passed during the exercise. Diana sighed. She supposed it was time to move on from pretending like she was doing anything productive, apart from trying and failing to distract herself from thoughts of Akko. When her gaze finally returned to the book, as she moved to close it, she noticed wet patches on the pages. Another late night in the office. 
The skies outside had darkened by the time Diana left the building. Her meeting with Croy was only supposed to go on for half an hour, but it reached nearly an hour and a half. It turns out that falling into a rabbit hole of technical details was too easy. When that exhausting meeting had finally concluded, Diana realized that she had more work to do than she had previously thought. So instead of heading home, she walked down the staircase to return to her office on the floor below and continued working on her manuscript. By the time that she had felt like she did enough work to bring her workload back down to where she thought she had been before the meeting, she was the only person left on her floor. Most academics had a family, or more broadly, a life to tend to after work. And no research student wanted to feel the desolate atmosphere of studying or researching late into the night in the office. The only exception to that is when lab experiments ran late, but of course, any academic or student working on those would be in the labs, not in the office. As Diana walked through the lonely campus on the chilly autumn night, she felt at peace. There was something strangely soothing about strolling through the beautiful grounds that were usually bustling with people going about their own things during the day. The lack of other people and their urgency made time feel slower. It was almost like an intimacy that was shared between Diana and the resting campus. When Diana got home, Hannah and Barbara were already comfortably settled into their night. They greeted her from the couch, as they nursed glasses of wine in front of the TV in their baggy pants. Super busy day. Hannah asked. Yes, unfortunately, Diana replied as she walked towards her room. Come join us if you like, Barbara offered. I'm a little tired, but I appreciate the offer, Diana said with a tired smile. When Diana dropped her bag in her room, she headed straight for the shower. The moment the warm streams of water made contact with her skin, Diana felt the relaxation begin spreading across her body. She did her best to wash her exhaustion away. She took her time in that slice of heaven in her day, however thin it was. Everyone needed a break to keep them going. It was just that Diana could stay functional with a far smaller break than most people, she tried her best not to think of the damage that overworking was doing to her, physical or mental. When Diana stepped out of the shower, she felt a little refreshed. It felt good. She hadn't even bothered to find a set of clothes to change into when she had entered her bathroom, so after drying herself off, Diana walked back into her room naked in search of a fresh set of underwear and comfortable clothes. Diana felt tired enough to sleep soon, so she decided to skim through news headlines on her laptop while blow-drying her hair. As her eyes absent-mindedly skimmed over headlines of pointless political conflicts and scandals, she heard knocking on her door. Diana. Barbara called from the other side. Diana switched off the blow-dryer and got up from her chair. Yes, Barbara, she said after opening the door. Akko is here. Diana's heart suddenly started beating faster. It was only through her conditioning that she didn't react outwardly to the very surprising fact. As Diana stepped into the hallway, she saw Hannah closing the door behind Akko, whose eyes met Diana's. Her crimson eyes seemed to carry an uncertain look that was unfamiliar to Diana, it didn't belong. 
Hey Diana, Akko greeted. Her voice lacked the exuberance that usually came with such a greeting. Akko, Diana began. She didn't quite know how to finish the sentence. There was a split-second pause that made Diana feel self-conscious. Would you like to come in? Diana gestured towards her room. Es sure, thanks. Akko smiled awkwardly. It didn't quite reach her eyes. Diana gave an equally weak smile in return. It was only when Akko entered her room that Diana noticed that the brunette was shivering slightly. I'll make you some tea. Be right back. Diana exited her room and entered the kitchen to boil some water. As Diana waited for the water to boil, Barbara entered as well. Is everything okay? Barbara asked quietly. The concern was obvious in both her voice and her teal eyes. I, Diana was about to give a default, generic answer. To tell her friend that everything is fine, and that she had nothing to worry about. But that would be wrong. Akko didn't visit Diana this late in the night unannounced, looking and sounding off. There was clearly something wrong. Everything is not okay. I don't know, Diana answered. The answer didn't make Barbara feel any less concerned. I'll be here if you need anything, she said. After Diana nodded in response, she returned to the couch with Hannah, who also wore a look of concern. After the water boiled, Diana prepared two cups of tea and brought them into her room. Here. Diana played a cup on the side of the desk closest to the edge of her bed, where Akko sat a day. Thanks, Diana, Akko said. Please don't burn your tongue, Diana added half-jokingly. I won't. Akko didn't respond in the usual light-hearted manner that Diana had come to know her for. There was no faux indignance of having been reminded of something so basic. Something was on Akko's mind. Something important. The feeling of foreboding that Diana felt told her that whatever it was, it wasn't going to be good. Diana could feel her fight or flight instincts. You're shivering. Are you cold? Diana asked in concern. No, well, yeah I guess. No wait. I was cold, Akko stammered. But it's not too cold in your room. Diana nodded. That's good to hear. A pregnant silence. It made Diana uncomfortable, and it was mirrored in Akko's fidgeting as well. After another awkward moment, Akko spoke up. I, I know I didn't message you to let you know that I'm coming and all. Sorry about that. I just really needed to see you. Her voice conveyed a sense of uncertainty and urgency. Don't worry about it. You don't have to apologize, Diana said. However, she didn't know what to say next. Ah, are you alright? Is something the matter? Akko seemed anxious. And afraid. She was like a cornered deer. She opened her mouth, but nothing came out. Akko tried again, and this time, words formed. I, it's been almost two weeks since we last properly saw each other. I, I missed you. Diana's eyes softened. She smiled, just a little bit. I missed you too, she admitted truthfully.
Akko's shoulders relaxed a little in response. But it wasn't completely relaxed. Diana could tell that something still weighed on Akko's mind. It was in the way that she looked uncomfortable in Diana's room, a place that should have been a second home to Akko. It was in how restless Akko was. She could barely bring the cup to her lips without the jerking in her movements. So. Akko started awkwardly, as if trying to grasp onto any small talk, she could to find a semblance of normality. How have you been? Busy, Diana answered. I've been rather busy, but I suppose that's nothing new. How about yourself? Akko nodded. I've been pretty busy too, I guess. Her thumb pressed against the edges of Diana's desk, moving back and forth. I just need this semester to be over already. Then maybe we could hang out more often, Akko chuckled nervously. Her eyes seemed almost desperately locked onto Diana's eyes. As if they were frantically searching for something. A confirmation of some sort. Diana hummed in response. She didn't quite know what the right response was. Her ever-analytical mind settled on a non-committal hum in the failure of finding something appropriate to say. Akko looked down at her tea, after not finding what she had been looking for in Diana's eyes and response. Or perhaps she had found something else instead. But it was clear that Akko had lost something important. She had lost her sense of home and comfort in a place that had once been so special to her. Diana's heart ached as she watched the silent emotions on Akko's face that betrayed her feelings of being out of place. It hurt. It hurt so much. There's so much I want to do once we finish uni, Akko spoke quietly as she continued to gaze into her tea, as if the tea was a window into another world. A world that seemed out of reach. We could go on a road trip, and see all the places that are on those pretty postcards in person. You could show me the place that you grew up in. Or I could take you to Kyoto, and show you all the places that I told you I wanted to take you. There's so much there, I promise. Or we could do both. Maybe. Something in Diana broke. She couldn't take it anymore. The growing heartache that Diana felt from what had become of them had nearly made her convulse. It was getting harder to keep herself composed to hide the pain that gnawed at her insides. The attrition had become too much for her to bear. I can't. I can't do this anymore, Diana thought. It was a thought that assaulted the forefront of her mind. She was cornered. Because she didn't know how long she could hold onto her brittle resolve before she gave in to Akko. So Diana pushed. She fought against her overwhelming desires to console Akko, and hold her hand and tell her that everything will be alright. She summoned the final reserves of her composure and spoke. Akko. I think we should break up. Akko went completely silent. Her gaze was no longer on her nearly touched tea. Her eyes were now fixed on Diana's own, wide with fear and disbelief. Diana did all she could to hold Akko's gaze. To communicate her seriousness and her resolution, which Diana herself questioned, but hoped that Akko wouldn't. After a tense moment that had felt too long, Akko took in a shaky breath. You're breaking up with me. 
Diana felt the subtle crack in Akko's voice pierce her chest. Yes. I'm so sorry, Akko. This wasn't any fault of yours at all. I'm really, really sorry. Diana felt her breaths quicken and her hands shake. She was doing all she could to prevent the tears from forming. Akko must have seen through Diana's cracked exterior and into her inner fragility, because the shock was gone from her eyes, which were slightly softened as they regarded Diana. Akko reached for Diana's hand. Diana, she began softly, are you? Diana suddenly retracted her hand, as if she was avoiding a hot stove. Akko was stunned, she didn't know how to react. Sorry, I can't, Diana said breathlessly. She was ashamed of her reaction. For not having enough strength to let Akko touch her. Diana, please talk to me, Akko pleaded. Tell me what it is that you feel. We can work it out. I promise. I just... I just don't think it'll work out, Akko, Diana said earnestly. She could feel her heart pound heavily in her chest. There's just so much in the way. Things that will end up hurting us both. Things like, what, Diana? Akko asked hesitantly, as if she was afraid of what the answer would be. The future, Diana answered. Hearing herself say it made her realize how silly it sounded. It gave her an overwhelming urge to elaborate. I mean, you know how busy I've been. This year has been, rather challenging to say the least. I know I've struggled to make time for you, and I hated that, and it has made me question whether I can really handle a relationship at the moment. And I imagine that things won't improve once I start PhD, and even worse, when I eventually take over our family business. I just... Diana shrugged rather forcefully, as if she was frustrated with not finding the right words to say. Her eyes begged Akko to understand. I don't think I can take it. Loving you, yet knowing that I can't give you my all. Akko was on edge. She clearly understood that this was a sensitive topic, and that a single word could change the outcome and affect their future together. It's okay, Diana, she said in a voice that sounded soothing to Diana. I know that you're really busy. I get it. I really do. You're doing what you need to do to achieve your dream, and I really support that. But I think we can make it work, Diana. The honest, possibly even desperate, conviction in Akko's voice only made Diana ache even more. I think this is fine, Akko continued. This isn't fine, Diana thought painfully. Even if I only get to see you once a week, that would be enough for me. As long as I know that you're still willing to try. That's all I need. It could be just a meal together, or working next to each other for a little bit or... I'm leaving the UK, Diana interjected. She couldn't bear to hear any more. This was exactly what she didn't want to see. Akko was all too willing to give up more and more of herself if it meant that she could be with Diana. Even if Akko had to swallow her dissatisfaction and loneliness and keep her suffering to herself for many years, she would do it. Diana cared about Akko too much to let her do that to herself. I'm applying for PhD programs in the US. I'll be living there for the next three or four years. 
I won't be around, Akko. Akko was speechless. Diana felt as if she had slapped her. It was a horrible feeling. She could see the hope dim from Akko's eyes. After a moment, Akko's lips parted. I. Please don't offer to drop everything and follow me, Akko. I would only feel guilty for pulling you away from your life. It wouldn't be fair to you at all, Diana said solemnly. Akko swallowed thickly. Her breaths became shallower. Her eyes hung onto Diana as if she held the key to Akko's world. A world that was crumbling. You, really don't think that we can work? Akko asked in a quiet voice. It was almost rhetorical. A hopeless repetition that did nothing to stop her from the desolate resignation that had been creeping up on her for months. I really wish that things were different. I'm so sorry, Akko, Diana apologized sincerely. It didn't feel enough to Diana. It didn't speak to the depth of her feelings for Akko, and Diana couldn't tell whether that was a good or bad thing. You are a wonderful person, Akko. I don't deserve you. You deserve someone who doesn't walk in a straight line. Someone who could give you their time and the love you truly deserve. Someone better than me. Akko's was at the tipping point. Diana could see the unshed tears. But I want to be with you, Diana. Not someone else, Akko said with a voice heavy with heartache. You shouldn't, Akko. I'm sorry. At that moment, Akko stood abruptly. Diana wasn't surprised. She was at her breaking point too. Diana looked at the tea that Akko had barely touched. She didn't know how she would react if she saw how broken Akko was at that moment. Diana heard a whimper as Akko desperately made her way to the door. Diana's own heart responded with a stab of pain that made her rest her hand on her chest. She heard Akko make her way hastily for the front door with heavy steps before she all but ran out of their flat and into the dark, cold night. Diana's own tears were pooling underneath her eyes. A small rivulet fell across her cheek as she exhaled a shaky breath that she had been holding. Fuck. I'm fucking awful. Her flatmates stood in the hallway outside of her door. They tried to ask Diana what happened and are you okay? Questions that didn't need to be asked, as they could tell based on the way that Akko had left their flat and how Diana sat slumped on her chair with her hands covering her face. But Diana didn't care about what she looked like. She didn't care about the fact that her friends were without a doubt privy to her problems. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It shouldn't have been like this. Diana didn't want things to get this bad at all. But in retrospect, what did she expect? It was always going to be like this. Diana realized now that she had done nothing to really make things right with Akko, even if she was going to end it. No, I knew all along what I was doing, Diana thought in self-loathing. I was just avoiding it all. I was too much of a coward to talk to Akko. But Diana knew that didn't matter now because Akko had run into the night. Alone. Cold. Crying. And it was Diana's fault. Chapter 20, Desolation. 
Akko was frantic as she ran. The cold air blew past her face as her legs took her away from the room that suffocated her. From the girl who had often been at the center of Akko's feelings, thoughts and dreams. From the girl who couldn't be with her. Akko didn't register her surroundings. Her mind was somewhere else, still trapped in that room that had once been so warm and comforting, replaying the scene over and over again. Akko. I think we should break up. Her chest had been stabbed with a phantom knife. It twisted each time, she heard Diana's voice ringing in her head. She could hear the hesitation, the struggle, the pain in her broken voice. A voice that Akko would never have thought could belong to Diana. It was real. The sentiment behind Diana's words had been real. They came from her heart. Akko could tell, because she saw the sea of vulnerability beneath the stoic facade that Diana presented to everyone else. I just... I just don't think it'll work out, Akko. The physical exertion that Akko felt as she ran helped divert her attention from the ache in her chest. The harder she ran, the less pain she felt in the very core of her being. The streets were dark, sporadically lit by artificial lights. Akko had stumbled a couple of times on uneven concrete surfaces. The sweat on her face and neck only served to make the autumn chill feel more intense. They were welcome distractions. Akko didn't know how long she had been running. Her mind was turned inwards, blocking out all external considerations, including the passage of time itself. For all she knew, she could have been running for five minutes, or an hour. It didn't matter. Because the reality was still the same. That it was gone. The future that Akko had hoped to share with Diana, not that she knew what the details of that future looked like, only that it would feel blissful, was nothing but a broken dream. A much-desired path that life could have gone for Akko no longer seemed to exist. The bridge had collapsed. Was it destroyed intentionally? Or perhaps, were the foundations not as sturdy as she had once believed? I really wish that things were different. I'm so sorry, Akko. What if things had been different? In another life, where Diana wasn't burdened by a destiny that was thrust upon her since the moment she had been born. Where Akko lived a little less in the moment and a little more in the future so she could better accommodate for adulthood with Diana. Thinking about what could have been only made Akko feel even worse. It made her feel inadequate. If I was better in some way, maybe in every way, would things be different? The question that Akko posed herself made her feel like shit. She didn't have an answer. And frankly, she didn't want to know the answer. There were people on the streets every now and then. They looked at Akko with mild concern whenever she would pass them by. But they were only concerns that bystanders usually ignored. The bystander effect. Some turned their curious attention to the direction that Akko ran from trying to see if there were any scary men chasing the young woman. Others stopped in their tracks to ponder what could have made a girl like Akko run in the night with clear distraught. But no one stopped to talk to her. To ask her what was wrong. No one paused their music and took out their earbuds. 
Akko was nothing more than just another person, with a little too much going on in their lives that one might see during their walk. She was nothing but another detail. As significant as a drifting leaf in the eyes of others. Not that Akko minded. At that moment, as far as she was concerned, no one else but Diana and herself existed in her mind. Only the echoes of Diana's words mattered. She felt each reiteration with painful clarity. You deserve someone who doesn't walk in a straight line. Someone better than me. Did Diana think that they were simply too different? Akko had always thought that their differences supplemented and complemented one another. But Akko had never thought that they were in conflict. She didn't want to believe it, but she could kind of see where Diana was coming from. Even Akko could see that blindly following Diana halfway across the world wasn't the best idea, even if she was eager to find some way to make it work. The year had been hard on their relationship. A three or four year long distance relationship, while Diana does her PhD, would be the last thing their relationship needed. But what was the alternative? Moving to the US with Diana would be either really good or really, really bad. Regardless of the options, Akko would have given it her all to try to make things work. So why couldn't Diana? Maybe Diana was just too smart. Maybe she really could peek into the future and had decided to prevent a catastrophic tragedy. But where would that leave Akko? Was she wrong for wanting to share her life with Diana? The questions came one after another, each bleeding into the next, until the boundaries where one question ended and another began became fuzzy and unrecognizable. They swam in Akko's head like countless slippery eels that, no matter how hard she would try, would always escape her grasp. The dizziness was setting in. Akko could feel the strain in her muscles. She could feel her hands shake. Her physical exhaustion was beginning to seep through the buffer that her adrenaline had provided. She felt the effort that every breath took. She could hear the pounding in her head. Her body's survival instincts to seek comfort and safety kicked in and she practically tackled the nearest street lamp in a desperate attempt to keep herself upright. If that street lamp hadn't been there, Akko might have collapsed. After a few moments of catching her breath and giving her aching muscles a break, she turned her back to the pole and leaned against it. Her chest heaved in a jittery rhythm as her body demanded the oxygen that it had been starved of. Her face had felt numb, but now that the feeling was returning to her, she felt cold. Akko shakily lifted her hands to cup her face, but it brought no warmth, her hands were freezing. Feeling the futility in the contact, Akko retracted her hands. But as she did, she felt moisture on her fingers. She had been crying. Akko had no idea how long she had been crying for. But then again, she didn't know how long she had been running for either. She felt tired. Physically. Emotionally. It was as if the very fiber of her soul was filled with exhaustion. Akko just wanted to melt into a puddle. Her feelings were a mess and she couldn't think straight. Looking upwards, her eyes scanned her surroundings. A wooden bench surrounded by grass. It wasn't close to any lights, but Akko could nevertheless make out its shape in the darkness. 
She pushed herself off of the street lamp and nearly fell onto the concrete path in the process. Her muscles felt like liquid. Shit, I gotta take it really slow, Akko thought as she strained. She concentrated on moving one leg at a time. It felt mechanical and rigid, but she knew she could do it. Slowly but surely, she made her way towards the undoubtedly cold and uncomfortable refuge. It was a small victory reaching her destination, and her reward was icy wood on her ass. Not particularly comfortable, but Akko's leg muscles were infinitely grateful. As the last vestiges of the adrenaline in her veins dissipated, Akko finally noticed how still the night was. She could see a couple of people walking in the distance, a young man with a backpack and a woman wearing a scarf and coat walking in opposite directions. Aside from them, the only other movements that Akko could see were the sporadic cars driving along the main road adjacent to the park and tree branches swaying to the late breeze. The scene in front of her was peaceful. And for the first time, in what felt like a long time, Akko felt peaceful too. The chill made her shiver a little, but it didn't bother her enough to steal her momentary appreciation of the tranquility. She blew into her hands and rubbed them together in an effort to feel some warmth. As she looked up, she saw the full moon on display. It only made the nightly scene look and feel more surreal to Akko. It was as if she was in some strange otherworldly twilight that didn't exist for anyone else. It didn't, after all, Akko was the only person to appreciate the Mies E.N. Sane before her. But of course, the serenity didn't last. Because Akko's thoughts always gravitated towards her. Thoughts of Diana used to make Akko feel warm. Comfortable. Akko used to feel like she could do anything, because she would do anything for Diana. But under the bright, round moon in the night sky, Akko didn't feel that way anymore. She felt distraught. Sadness at the loss of their relationship. Disappointment at how Diana came to her conclusion without talking to Akko about it. Akko could blame Diana for her stubborn independence, but really, she knew it came down to circumstances. Conflicting expectations, goals and desires were forced onto Diana. Akko couldn't really blame her. Things just turned out this way, to the detriment of their relationship. However, Akko would be untruthful if she had said that thoughts of Diana had only turned less than positive since their difficult conversation in Diana's room earlier. For months, Akko had felt her anxiety grow in the back of her mind as the distance between Diana and herself grew. She did all she could to ignore it, but not addressing it had only made its culmination worse by a hundredfold. It had felt like her worst nightmare had taken over her reality. Akko sat there in silence. The world around her was almost as quiet. Only the howl of the wind and the whistling of leaves persisted through the darkness. Occasionally the sounds of engines would carry from the road, but they were less frequent at this hour. Hour. I wonder what time it is, Akko thought as she rubbed her eyes. She felt tired. The warmth of a bed would be nice. Either her or, no. Akko had no options anymore. When she reached for her jean pocket, she noticed its flatness with alarm. Shit. Where's my phone? Akko's mind experienced a jolt of panic that returned her to wakefulness, 
as it ran a mile a minute trying to remember when she had her phone last. Could it have been, no. I must have left it at Diana's somewhere. Maybe on her desk, when I was sitting on her chair or something. Akko sighed. Well. Guess I'm not going to get my phone back any time soon. The thought of entering Diana's flat again sent Akko into a minor panic. The thought of how awkward it would be made her cringe and fidget. Or maybe the fidgeting was a result of how chilly the breeze was. Maybe I could ask Lotta to get my phone for me tomorrow, Akko thought. Yes, that would work. Akko could ask Lotta to tactfully visit their flat in the guise of hanging out with Barbara, then Diana's diligence would do the rest of the work by handing Akko's phone over without being prompted. Fuck. I wish Diana would give me back our relationship instead. She can keep my stupid phone. She wished Diana's shadow would emerge from the edge of the park. She wished it would slowly grow larger as Diana walked closer and closer towards Akko, until she stood in front of her, wearing a concerned expression on her face, and said, I'm sorry Akko. I wasn't myself. Can we try again? A thousand times yes. Akko would say exuberantly, her voice filled with renewed hope. Diana stared back at Akko in a mixture of concern and amusement. Um. I'm sorry. Akko looked confused. That wasn't what fantasy Diana would say. Ah. Uh, what? I asked if you were cold, Diana replied, sounding awkward and out of place. Her hands were in her jean pockets, likely because they would be fidgeting otherwise. Oh God. This Diana is real. Akko panicked internally. And no. Akko replied unconvincingly. Her minor teeth chattering didn't help her case. Diana rolled her eyes and took off her grey coat and handed it to Akko. Here. Wear this. It wasn't a question. It carried the authority of someone who cared. Akko eyed the coat suspiciously. Ah, be but won't you be cold? No. I'm wearing my turtleneck, Diana said with mild irritation in her voice. Just wear it. Akko relented. She briefly stood up to wear Diana's coat before she sat back down. She breathed a sigh of relief when the warmth hit her at once. Diana's body warmth surrounded her. It smells like Diana, Akko mentally remarked. It was almost like she was being embraced by her. Diana sat on the bench next to Akko. There was a notable gap between their bodies, Diana was closer to the edge of the seat than she was to Akko. She looked straight ahead and ignored Akko's inquisitive glance. Why are you here? Akko asked. It wasn't an accusation. She was genuinely curious. Diana reached into her left jean pocket and produced a familiar rectangular object. You forgot your phone. Oh oh. Thanks, Akko said as she retrieved her phone from Diana's hand. She felt a little disappointed with the answer. Their fingers didn't touch. Silence. Once again, Akko became aware of the rustling of leaves. Only this time, she felt no peace. She only felt awkward and uncomfortable, 
because her awareness of the ambience is an indication of the immense distance between herself and the girl sitting next to her. After some moments of tense silence, Diana tentatively spoke. Her voice was quiet, and without any trace of the confidence that she was known for. And I, regret how we left off earlier. I didn't feel right to just leave things like that. Akko knew that those were words that showed that Diana cared, but they weren't the words that she wanted to hear. I... I don't think there's anything you could have said or done that would have it easier for me to swallow, she admitted softly, with resignation in her voice. I know, Diana whispered. In the dead of the night, she might as well have shouted it. I was really worried. She looked down at her hands on her lap. Why? Well, when you ran out of my room, then out of our flat, without your phone in the middle of the night, of course I'm going to be worried, Diana deadpanned. She hid the extent of her concern behind her dry humor. Akko thought about it for a moment. Oh yeah. I guess when you put it that way. How did you find me? I called Lotta about an hour after you left to ask if you were alright, but she mentioned that you hadn't come home yet. That made me worried, so I decided to search for you myself, Diana explained. I visited places that I thought would be familiar to you. And Leon Park seemed like a reasonable place to look. Akko looked mildly impressed. Huh. Well, I was never good at hide and seek. Diana chuckled mirthlessly. Akko didn't find her own joke funny at all. She just didn't know what to say. She sighed. She took out her phone. What time is it any, oh god that's late. Had I really been running for all that time? Akko pondered. How long have I sat here? Indeed. Hence why I was worried. Akko looked at Diana awkwardly. How do I even begin to say goodnight? All right, I'm going to, head off. She stood up from the bench and began taking off Diana's coat from her shoulders. Diana stood abruptly. Akko, wait. It's rather late, and I'd be worried if you walked home on your own. Why don't you stay over? My flat is much closer, Diana said. Her offer to Akko sounded nervous. Akko wasn't so sure that was a good idea. You don't have to worry about me. I can text you when I get home. Please. Akko. Akko could hear it. Diana's voice carried a tinge of desperation. For some reason, this was important to her. Maybe after tonight, they would become strangers once again. Perhaps this would be the last time they got to spend the night together, as broken as it would be. To feel the last traces of familiarity as they fade. Nothing about this seemed good to Akko. To her, it just seemed really sad. She nodded lightly. Okay. Let's go. Upon hearing those words, Diana's desperation seemed to morph into some sort of relief. She gave a smile that seemed more positive than how she actually felt underneath. Diana really was trying. I'm glad to hear that. They began walking back towards Diana's flat. There were no words exchanged along the way. As they walked side by side, 
their hands accidentally brushed a couple of times, but neither made any motions to clasp the other. If anything, they retracted slightly. It didn't feel appropriate. There were even fewer people on the streets at this hour than when Akko had run through them before. In the quietness, there were only footsteps and breathing. The silent seconds stretched on uncomfortably, seemingly endless. Akko felt like she was in a desert, where the night was cold and unforgiving. Diana's presence next to her was almost ghostly. Her skin was paler than usual, no doubt from the cold. But to Akko, that wasn't the most ghostly feature about her. It was the mere fact that Diana was undeniably there, yet Akko couldn't really touch, or look at, or talk to her. The pale blonde was in another realm now, one that Akko didn't have access to. Does she think the same about me? Akko wondered melancholically. Perhaps Diana was a different person now, different to the one who would often be affectionate to Akko. In much the same way as how the girl who had confessed to Akko was a different person to the girl who had once criticized her game at an indie games exhibition that seemed to have taken place an eon ago. A part of Akko felt this way about the girl who walked alongside her with a cautious, respectable distance. Another part of Akko felt like there was no one in the world who knew more about that very girl than she did. They absent-mindedly tread through the streets, each girl lost in their own mind, reflecting on what had become of them. Eventually, they reached the familiar door. The same one that Akko had run out of hours ago. Diana swiftly unlocked the door and held it open for Akko, who entered the home that she had lost silently. She saw Hannah and Barbara exit out of the latter's room. Akko averted their eyes, as she wordlessly walked towards Diana's room. Diana's flatmates must have read the room, because Hannah muttered something along the lines of, I'm going to bed now, while Barbara shot a concerned look at Diana. Would you like some water? Diana asked from behind Akko after they entered her room. Yeah. Thanks, Akko muttered as she stood awkwardly in the room. She didn't quite know why, but it just didn't feel right to sit anywhere. It was as if she could feel that her privileges to Diana's room and furniture had been revoked. But Diana was polite. If Akko had asked, Diana would have refuted that idea, so there was no way to truly find out how Diana felt about having Akko in her room at that moment. Diana returned shortly with a glass of water. She handed it to Akko, who finished half the glass in seconds. Akko didn't realize just how dehydrated she had been from running away and crying until the cool liquid flowed through her parched throat. For a brief moment, the satiation of her base need had made her feel a little better. Good, even. That is, until she awkwardly handed back the half-empty glass back to Diana, who merely set it on the table. In case you get thirsty, she explained, before asking, would you like a shower? I, wouldn't mind if you use my towel, or if you need a spare set of clothes to change into. Akko shook her head. I'm tired. Unless you think I need it. She added that last part, after remembering that she had been sweating. But the thought of needing to dry her hair before she could sleep seemed daunting. Akko was rather tired. You don't need to if you feel tired. As long as you feel comfortable enough to sleep, then that's fine, Diana said. 
Are you hungry? No, yes, but I probably shouldn't tell Diana. Like yeah, I wouldn't mind some food right now, especially since it's been so long since I last ate, and all that action and stress has made me feel like I have a black hole in my stomach, but it's way too awkward to ask Diana for food and eat here and... Akko heard a sigh. I'll find you something to eat before you sleep, Diana said firmly. She left the room before Akko could respond. This sucks, Akko thought, before she all but plopped onto Diana's bed. The feeling of the soft mattress on her back made her tense muscles relax a little. It brought the drowsiness that Akko had felt in the park to the forefront of her mind. Akko felt like she needed to spend the next seven days lying motionlessly in a warm bed with lots of blankets. She wanted to fall into a deep, dreamless sleep from which she wouldn't wake from any time soon. At this point, her mind no longer had any energy to think about all the different ways in which she might be able to convince Diana to give them a second chance, though those endless, obsessive thoughts would certainly come later. What prevented Akko from falling asleep wasn't the promise of food. It was the smell that was imprinted on the bed. Diana's scent. Once upon a time, it brought her peace, comfort, belonging and even arousal. But now, it feels suffocating. The feelings that the scent invoked in Akko was too confusing, too overwhelming. It brought good memories intertwined with the dreadful feelings that Akko experienced not just tonight, but also in the recent weeks. It brought no happiness. Only misery and regret. Diana soon returned with a plate of muffin and a carton of yogurt, and set them on the desk. With some effort, Akko brought herself upright, before getting off of the bed and sitting on the chair. She knew that Diana disliked eating crumbly foods, such as muffins in her room, so she figured she should make an effort since Diana had given her this opportunity in good faith. The blueberry muffin was microwaved, which made it softer and more pleasant to bite through. Diana produced a piece of apple that Akko hadn't noticed before and took small bites out of it. She didn't seem to be particularly enjoying it. Evidently, Diana wasn't hungry, and Akko felt a tinge of heartache when she realized that Diana had no appetite due to her own emotional turmoil. She probably felt sick. They ate in silence, and like most of their time together that night, in awkwardness. When Akko had finished, Diana picked up the plate with the empty yogurt carton. I'll use the bathroom after you, Diana said as she turned to leave her room. The hand that wasn't carrying the plate held a barely half-eaten apple that had experienced a premature end to its utility. All right, Akko muttered quietly. She would be surprised if Diana had heard her at all. She stood and headed for the bathroom. She recognized the familiar white toothbrush that Diana had reserved for Akko. It sat snugly in a holder along with a blue toothbrush, Diana's. Akko briefly noted that the white toothbrush, like the half-eaten apple, would be discarded despite not having seen through its lifetime. Akko brushed her teeth for much longer than she normally would as she absent-mindedly stared into her own eyes that stared back at her through the mirror. She wasn't entirely sure what she was thinking about, her daze was a result of lethargy and tiredness. When she had finished using the bathroom, she opened the door to find Diana sitting on the edge of her bed. I've let Lotta know that you'll be spending the night here, 
Thanks, Akko said as she avoided Diana's gaze. She saw the pajamas neatly stacked next to Diana. Those were undoubtedly for her. Diana stood and strode past Akko. You can get some rest now. I'll be quiet, she said. Not that she needed to say it. Akko guessed that it was Diana trying to stave off the awkwardness. After the door to the bathroom closed, Akko began changing into the white sleepwear. She deposited her worn clothes on the floor next to the end of the bed, hoping that Diana wouldn't feel compelled to fold them later. As Akko got under the covers, she felt the cold space between the covers and the mattress become warm with her own body heat. For a moment, Akko reveled in the warmth that she had been missing all night. Akko felt comfortable as she brought the covers up to her nose. She felt like she was finally able to rest from her emotional train wreck of a night. But as she looked ahead, she saw the door to the bathroom. Any moment, she would hear the bathroom lights flick off and the bathroom door would open to reveal the object of her emotional distress. It felt like she was in the vicinity of a ticking time bomb that would set off her anxieties yet again. Even looking at the white door made her feel nervous. So Akko turned to face the wall instead. A cowardly move perhaps, one that contrasted to her usual way of confronting life head-on, but tonight, there was nothing to be gained by acting strong. All that was left was to minimize the pain. But Akko had clearly failed by that metric, because there she was, in Diana's bed. After gazing at the wall for a while, Akko closed her eyes. She was in the void. The empty, black space seemed welcoming. Perhaps it was her tired mind, but she felt as though she was floating in the infinite expanse in between the stars. It was the sound of a door opening that had brought Akko back down to Earth. To Diana's room. To her bed. Akko heard the sounds of fabric shuffling. Of Diana changing out of her clothes and into her sleepwear. Then the flick of the light switch. Without opening her eyes, Akko knew that the room was dark. The sound of Diana's footsteps approaching the bed made Akko feel anxious. Before long, she felt another weight on the mattress of the bed. Another warmth underneath the covers. Right next to her, almost touching, but not quite. Then silence. And in the silence, the sounds of breathing were deafening to Akko's ears. She could even hear the sounds of her own heartbeat, which was a little faster than it should be. Neither of the girls could work up the effort, or was it the lack of courage, to bid the other goodnight. They did their best to ignore one another in a world populated entirely by the two of them. The closeness and intimacy that they once shared was erased, replaced by a desolation that made them feel even more lonely than they had ever been. The only escape was a dreamless slumber, which Akko was eventually led to by the exhaustion that had thoroughly coloured her soul.